Hello, Karen. How's life? So good, thank you. Nice to be doing episode two of 2022 of Society Superheroes. Indeed. And as we discussed in episode one, how we've taken quite a different direction. So in terms of our superheroes, our episodes that we've done over the last 15 months, this year we are concentrating on the people that are raising children. So our teenagers, obviously those that are raising them, their parents, teachers, mental health practitioners. Coaches. Coaches, absolutely. And some of the tools, if, if in some small way, we can supply tools in 2022 for those raising children. And, and I think most importantly, awareness and resources, because very often we don't know where to go to get the help that we need. As it always says, it takes a village to raise a child. So if we can just be a very small part of that village, then I think we would have achieved something fabulous in 2022. And also remember, if the village does not raise the child, you will stand in the glow of the burn when they burn it down. That's quite right, yes. As, as you said that, I thought, absolutely. So we're needing really to provide support and tools and resources to all of those that are raising children and teenagers. So episode two, we are looking at COVID as an adverse childhood experience. And as we kick off, I'm going to be reading out a quote that you use um, and you have used for, for a lot of your presentations that you are doing at schools. And it's important to note that these, these presentations, there are three sort of stakeholders. So you present to the children, you present to the parents, because it's always so important for the parents to know what, they, what their children are hearing and learning. And obviously to the educators, because now more than ever, I think educators need our support. They had to literally change their style of teaching overnight. And uh, society superheroes really are teachers who are battling so much at the moment um, with teaching and teaching children who've come out of a, a COVID lockup. If a child is to keep alive her inborn sense of wonder without any such gift from the fairies, she needs the companionship of at least one adult who can share it, rediscovering with her the joy, excitement and mystery of the world we live in. Uh, absolutely. So what I say to parents at the outset is when you're looking at the adversity that our children have experienced under covid is that parenting is not like joining the EFC. You can't tap out. So when we, when we look at the big issue that I'm seeing emerge from uh, lock, well, for children it was lock up as opposed to lockdown, but from young people being locked up, is that they lost out on an enormous amount of social and emotional development. So you had uh, the, the fact that they're like almost two years behind in terms of their peer relationships, but they are massively accelerated in terms of other areas of the, their development, like their sexuality, because they've been online all the time. Mm -hmm. So that gap has grown dramatically. So what has what the adversity then been for young people under COVID? Well, you need to start with the fact that there was a lot of fear around. There was an enormous amount of stress, familial stress, things like people's jobs. There was actual trauma where people were sick, people were in hospital, we anticipated they were dying. And then you had obviously actual grief and the inability to properly grieve. With the children in the inner city, we had slightly different adversities. Those were things like the fact that we closed education for them, which is one of their rights. We were unable to make that up because in the lower LSMs, there's not enough devices or airtime or teachers or resource to teach them. So they missed out on actual education. 
And then they missed out on things like food because the schools also provided food. They missed out on caring support of adults because that's often what teachers and coaches provide. And then in the higher LSMs, there was an enormous amount of isolation. And that isolation led to a, a lag in the social skills and an acceleration in other inappropriate um, areas, as I said, like sexuality. So the adversity that COVID created, there were some similarities, trauma, stress, grief, anticipatory grief, um, massive amounts of stress. And then you had quite a split in the adversity based on class because there was in th entirely different manifest manifestations of the uh, pandemic in different socioeconomic groups mm. within our city. There certainly was. And, and as you say, we all experienced COVID very differently. So in as much as we were locked down, it, depending on our class and our socioeconomic our demographics, we did experience it very differently. And the experience of the children in the inner city was very, very different from children who we seeing who were locked up and had access to food and data and online resources. Also, different schools managed their, their switch from in-classroom teaching to online teaching very differently. And once again, that boiled down to resources. Um, I think we can be very grateful to the people who, who reached out and worked so hard. And there's so many of our superheroes in that regard who just helped to feed the children in the inner city, um, the meals that children were getting in the inner city that they no longer received um, caused massive, it, it was chaotic because then the children weren't allowed to come out to get those meals. So, so that was a whole nother set of challenges that we had to face. If we had to look at milestones, and I know that this is something that we discussed a lot. So we look at rites of passage and, um, we, we look at rites of passage and maybe rites of passage is a podcast that we can do later in the year in terms of positive rites of passage and how to replace the very negative rites of passage with more positive ones, which we see in a lot of schools and, and hazing and initiation. But just in terms of developmental milestones, we looked at children who were in grade seven. So they were in grade seven. Grade seven is a big year for a lot of children if grade seven is their highest grade. And a lot of children, grade seven is, is or a lot of schools, grade seven is now part of their high school. But in a traditional school setting, there was grade seven, you were sort of top of the pops, you were, you know, it was your leadership year. And that was taken away from a lot of children. But we're now sitting with the fact that the grade fives, who are now grade sevens, haven't really gone through the milestones of, of watching the way other children lead, watching different things, and a lot of things in sport, if you look at your Victor and your Victrix Adorum, a lot of those things didn't happen. With the absence of those milestones, which we'll never, ever make up, what what development lags are we seeing? And we can't make them up, but how can we perhaps manage them moving forward? So when you look at children's development, you, you look on two trajectories. So the first is a vertical trajectory, like a Maslow. And at the bottom of that, you have the basics you need to survive, like food and shelter, etc., which, as you said, in the inner city, were in short supply. Above that, you have safety. So children have to be safe. And then above that is belonging and then self-esteem and a variety of, and then self-actualization. So if you look at the, the development, is it like in the inner city, for example, the deve development was literally arrested at the base level mm. where, you know, you don't have enough food. Now, that just causes all manner of milestone problems. And if you look at children who did have enough food, they didn't feel safe. 
Mm-hmm. And they didn't feel safe because notwithstanding COVID, we had a million other things that were happening simultaneously and are still happening that make children feel unsafe about the broader world that they are entering. So on that level, when you can't have the basics or be safe, you can't learn properly. Okay, so that's an, an overarching thing. The one you're talking about is more on the horizontal trajectory, which is what we call life stage development. So at each stage of a child's life, they need to do certain things. So let's take an infant, for example. Infants need to learn to trust. They need to learn to socialize. They need to build an immune system by being exposed to other people, etc., etc. So infants have a job to do in terms of development. Now, what, what was very interesting about the infants that we saw is that infants would ordinarily steadily be introduced to the world. And through being introduced to the world, they'd be introduced to different sensory stimuli, they would be introduced to different people, they would have the immune systems built by the fact that they get in, get in sick, etc., etc. Now, we would see children come in, uh, going into lockdown at birth, coming out when we could socialize at two. Now, they get into an environment where they are now exposed to, say, a birthday party, the sensory input is just too much. It is completely overwhelming because all they've had is maybe some TV where they've had lots of visual and auditory stimulation or their parents playing with them on iPads or whatever, and their parents playing with them. But they haven't had that big kind of clangy world that comes with uh, being, well, in the world. They haven't uh, been able to develop the immune system and they've had a limited, even tactile environment in which they live. Mm -hmm. So there's also been limitations to the amount of um, kind of intimacy they've been exposed to because you can't hug the children. So there's limited caregivers, etc. So there's this massive sensory thing that happens. And And, and really important people were excluded from their lives. So people like grandparents, aunts and uncles, cousins, um, out of fear. Mm. I know some of the we saw really tragic images during COVID, and and some of those included children, newborn babies, so grandparents on the other side of windows or doors or of the car. So they also tremendously missed out on on those interactions. Mm. Very much so. So that kind of village you were mm. talking about earlier became very small, and obviously then you got heightened levels of parental stress. Parental stress is an adversity for a child. And in that particular stage of development, your brain is pruning itself very heavily because you have way more brain than you need. And what you use, you keep. And what you don't use, you lose. So the parts of your brain that fire together, wire together, and the other parts get pruned off. Then children go into their toddler years, and by about five, their brain is largely developed. And then they go into what's called latency phase, and not a lot happens. You know, they're playing around and whatever. And then you go into your adolescent puberty years. And the the toddler and pubescent brain are very similar because there's a massive growth spurt. And what happens is that stuff that was carved in your kind of early thousand days, five years, starts getting paved in adolescence with with puberty. Now, if you are thinking about what the inputs were and the missing of all those traditional kind of transitions from one phase to the next, you have a gap in primarily identity and belonging. So if you look at a rite of passage, a rite of passage is there to bring you into a thing. If you look at, I mean, there's, we were talking earlier about uh, being confirmed or baptized or whatever, those are rites of passage. Mm. So 
young people that I worked with from the Jewish community missed their bar mitzvahs. Mm. Um, they missed that rite of passage into adulthood. So what, is, what has happened is that the, the young people are struggling with a sense of who they are because they've had themselves fed back to themselves by a limited number of people, say in the inner city, or by millions of people online in the higher LSMs. And that, that black mirror and the mirror that feeds you back to yourself becomes very complex when you are trying to develop a sense of who you are. In, obviously, in addition to that is the sense of, which is the lifelong need, is the sense of needing to belong. Now, we have many places we belong in the world in terms of our rites of passage. We move from primary schools to high schools, or we move from uh, childhood to, to adulthood. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. Childhood to adulthood, or childhood to adolescence, or beginning of puberty to adulthood. And in that, in that whole context, what we need to do is we need to women you chose to belong to because pretty much the world was endless and you spent endless amount of times online. So those two massive developmental areas is the main age, age group of child that has been sent to see me. So it's the children who are exiting latency phase into puberty and entering young adulthood because the amount of transitions during that phase are massive. And two years in that world is a lot. Two years in toddler is half their life. In, in some cases, their whole life if it's a two-year-old toddler. But we mustn't underestimate A, the proportion of the children's lives this adversity was, and secondly, the amount of growth happening at that time and how exponential the growth is and the impact of the lags or the overexposures. Mm. How do we, can we even begin to try and make it up? So in terms of that which has been lost, we firstly need to be aware of it. So we need to be aware that milestones have been lost how do we in in a small way just try and make up for it or just maybe even just be aware of it i think the first thing is we need to be aware of what is actually normal the idea that we told our children to kind of adapt to the new normal and then that this is how things are going to be was a disservice because this is not normal so we need to go back and say okay what is normal for a 12-year-old. what is Because what we have is another interesting dynamic where the parents went into lockdown, because remember, there are parental developmental stages, mm. especially with your first child. As much as there's children's developmental stages, you've got parental developmental stages where we grow up with our children. So you had parents going into lockdown with children who were 10. Then when they come out, those children are in high school and they now want to go out with their boyfriends and have their cell phone and whatever, but they haven't been able to practice it, neither the child nor the parent. So what we need to do is we need to go back to what is normal, and we need to say to children, okay, in the context of this, you know, this particular at this particular age, this is what is normal. That varies in cultures, you know, depending on how religious people are or what cultural backgrounds they come from or maybe where they live in cities versus rural areas, etc., but you have to remember to reestablish what is normal for your child to belong to your family, your environment, your culture. Because you have to provide that script to them. Because if you do not provide an alternative script, they'll get the script from the internet. Mm. And you don't want the only people scripting or literally paving your child's brain to be the internet. 
So just around having the conversation. And and I think too often we go out of our family before we go into our family to have those conversations. So with the person we co-parenting with, um, with other children in the family, and also listening, I think, to how children are feeling. Because if we listen to how somebody is feeling and listen to those words, rather than trying to be a parent on a cell phone, actually not having the cell phone when the children are talking to us, having those important things like family meals, and just being available, I think will also work to everybody's benefits. Well, I, I think the biggest the, the the biggest thing that seems to have come out is if I look at the uh, so-called behaviour problems that have been sent to me, many of the so-called behaviour problems do not generalise themselves outside of the home. So, like I saw a young a young person the other day, you know, went into lockdown at sixteen, came out at eighteen. You know, it's said to be volatile, very depressed, and then very angry. And then when when I look at it, the only place the explosive anger happens is at home. Mm. It doesn't happen anywhere else. So what you then have to do is not, we also need to be kind to parents. Not to say, oh, you're a bad parent and, you know, this child's a bad child or whatever. But we've got to look at the fact that you can't just use the child as the identified patient all the time. And say, oh, this moody teenager or this angry teenager or whatever. We have to look at our families as as the old school kind of watches and clocks that had cogs and springs and wheels and all kinds of things in them. And each of us have a particular role in that system to make it work. So if you've got a depressed teen in your house, what function does that serve? If you've got an explosive teenager who's attacking you, but they're not doing that in the world, they're not doing it at school, they're not doing it with their friends, what does that mean? That's in the interaction within that world. And because that's the primary place where children learn, we need to see their behavior as a form of protest. And we do not. We, we must not talk about children being resilient, because resilience means they can bounce back from mm-hmm. adversity. We need to promote resistance in our children. And the thing is, is our children. I mean, people call it grit, but you know, the, the truth is, is is our children are really struggling to find the ability to find their way in the world. And that's because the world is a mad place. So we as parents need to be there, as they call them, the enlightened witnesses, to take joy in our children and to enjoy our children growing up. There is nothing on your phone that is more important than a conversation with your child. Nothing. There is no job more important than the job of raising your child. You could be CEO of the universe. You're completely dispensable. Okay? No one can raise your child except you. I think there's an analogy that... Um I read long, long, long ago, and it's it's been an analogy that I've always, always, always carried with me. And the analogy is of, of, of balls, juggling balls in the air. And I think during COVID, we all had a lot of balls to juggle. Parents had to work in order to have money, in order to feed children, but they had to also educate their children. So there were a lot of balls. And it speaks about having glass balls and rubber balls. Rubber balls are those that if you drop them, they'll bounce back. The glass balls, if you drop them, either they'll shatter completely or they'll never come back the same. They'll always have a chink out of them or a crack or whatever. And I think we all need to decide in our lives, what are the rubber balls and what are the glass balls? To my mind, and Luke, you can add to this, the the glass balls are our children and our family and I think our health. So those are balls that we really have to keep in the air. The, The rubber balls are things like our job and as 
we know how important a job is. So we can't say your job's not important, but it is more, it is less important than that child um, in terms of keeping those balls in the air. Oh, no, you, you, you have a very short amount of time with your children. You must remember as parents, you're the gods of your children's childhoods. That's how powerful you are. And the, the biggest thing I can say to parents is that you need to enjoy being a parent. You need to enjoy your children's childhoods. And that's the beginning of it, to almost revel in the fact that your heart is walking around outside your body. And yes, it's going to get tramped on, and when they become teenagers, they're going to walk past and hiss at you as they go past the door. <laughs> but that's Like that, cats. Like cats. A lot of people say children are like cats. They just hiss at you and come out when there's food. Exactly. And, and that's their job, mm. you know. And we must remember what children's jobs are and what our jobs are. Mm. You are not your children's friends. You know, as much as children have a right to have someone in the world that's completely crazy about them, they equally have the right to have someone who loves them enough to allow them to be angry with mm. them. Mm. Absolutely. And that, as a parent, I think that is the most difficult thing. I always say to my daughters, it's far more difficult to say no than to just give in and say yes. So to all parents out there, you are superheroes. I know on many days it must feel like you are swimming upstream and facing an uphill battle. But just enjoy your children. And even when they are angry, at least they are responsive and you're there to witness their anger. So just just, just be there. Just be present. Be engaged. And the teenagers are also superheroes and the young people are also superheroes because this has been hard and we need to recognize that. And, and as much as when the children are angry, we need to be able to survive it. We need to be able to be angry with our children when it is appropriate because sometimes they need those boundaries. How we manage our anger is an entirely different thing. Is it thing. another conversation? But we need to be, the, the, the children are allowed to be angry with us. Mm. And sometimes we do get angry and there's a level at which that, that almost paternal sternness is very necessary. It's not punitive, but it's also not mm. permissive. And we also need to give ourselves permission to make mistakes. 100%. I think in, um, I forget the movie, it had Steve Martin and he said to his daughter, there's no such thing as a perfect parent, but there are a million ways to be a good one. So to all of our superheroes, make mistakes, but learn to apologize. We'd love to hear from you. Engage at societysuperheroes.co.za or on our Facebook page. Drop us a message, drop us a DM, and we'll be sure to be in touch with you. Thanks, Karen. Great conversation. We look forward to hearing from you. Have a lucky day.